HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by VisitNapaValley.com, the official page for travel to the Napa Valley, America's legendary wine, food, arts, and wellness capital. For more information, visit www.VisitNapaValley.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, and welcome to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with Galen Zamara of Moss Farmhouse and Almanac Restaurants in New York City. Um, the reason you are here today is because I was walking by, it's 7th Ave, correct? Yes. And saw these gorgeous, big, almost bay windows, and, and the room was illuminated. Uh, it, w- it was glowing, and there were all these frames on the walls, and that catches my eye sometimes more than that fake food out front of a restaurant, what the interior of a restaurant looks like to the spectator. Um, we got to meet, I came in the restaurant, you toured me through it, upstairs, downstairs, and replete, mixed in so well with the architecture were these works of art, these these pieces which you have collected and which have been donated to you, which are just on display in, in such a wonderful way that I haven't even seen galleries, you know, hold art in in the same light. And there, there was this one piece uh, of Hershey bar wrappers. And I want to go back to when you were a 24-year-old chef de cuisine <laughs> at Boulay Bakery and talk about your life then. Talk about my life then. Well, um... It's a long time ago, but let's, you know, let's think. We, uh, for me at the time, that was really exciting. I was, uh, obviously I had a great position at, uh, at Boulet at the time, one of the top restaurants in the city. Um, for me, it seemed like I was, I was making a lot of money in, uh, <laughs> in retrospect, I was severely underpaid. Uh, but it was okay. It was very exciting to me. And, um, uh, well, you know, that piece um, was something I bought very spontaneously. 
Uh, I spent every every single penny I had on it. And I literally just walked into a gallery one day. I saw it and I just said, I have to have it on a body. It was just very, it was just like that. And it's been, um, it's been at my house. I've had it, at, it's been on the walls at Moss for a while, but um, uh, it, it never really fit there. And so I took it back home and I've had it there. And then with Almanac, we knew we wanted to have uh, a lot of art. And, you know, you know we, we talked about different things and what we would have on there and if there would be a theme and, and whatnot. There was a lot of people collaborating with it. And I said, Let's, I'm just going to bring them here and we'll just put things up on the wall and see what goes where. And it really worked, so it found a home. Yeah, I mean, it's a wonderful piece. And Al Hansen mm-hmm. uh, kind of resembles uh, Matisse cutouts. Yes. Um, you know, and those rappers themselves, is, uh, they're a word collage, an opera, I think, as you told me. Well, the, he has two types. The word opera is less... Um, he, he doesn't... Uh, cut out the pieces into shapes so it's it's just more of like a a, a grid or something and it, there's just words going across it so he he uses the words in 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 this case the hershey bar rappers uh to write uh, write things whether it's a message or just you know hey or whatever and then the other type it, it takes the form of a woman and he calls those venuses so this one's a venus um and he's done them Famously with, uh, in this case, Hershey Boy wrappers, with cigarette butts, with matchsticks. Um, and, you know, you're right to compare it to Matisse because it was interesting at the MoMA's recent exhibit there. Uh, I had never really put that connection together, but when I went there, very, very honestly, I would say at best he was inspired. If not, he just blatantly ripped off some of his stuff because there, he has the blue nudes that Matisse does. He does the exact same sort of forms. Matisse had some, what I would call word opera. So it was very, very similar to that. Um, it was interesting to see. Yeah. But Matisse didn't have Mars company behind him and, you know, <laughs> rappers of a candy bar strewn around the studio. Yeah. Um, also on the wall, Lee Krasner, who she was one of the most influential kind of abstract impressionists of her time. Just such a wonderful painter. What, what piece do you have at the restaurant? Well, uh, I mean, it's it's uh, it's part of a collection, and you know, we worked with a um, a curator who uh, a lot of the art, you know, uh, her name is Ashley Gail Harris. Uh, she's responsible for getting for us, and and literally, you know, it's it was exciting for me because in the beginning parts of the project, we talked about having this opportunity to have some very young and up and coming artists who you know, maybe can't find gallery space. Uh, and so their, their work is never seen. It's, it, it, you know, maybe they're, they're a little bit known, they have a little bit of a name for them, but their stuff is literally just sitting uh, on the floor in a studio or something like that. And this would be a good opportunity for them to get some, uh, some you know, wall space. Um, but then she has a couple pieces like this, like this Lee Krasner in there that blew my mind that we would be able to get, which is just amazing. So... Um, so it's, I mean, we're very fortunate. We got we got very lucky, I think. Well, I mean, you have old masters, not you know old old masters, but new age masters. You have mm-hmm. Sam Moyer, um, who has a large piece on the wall made of rug. I think it, it, it's a rug from IKEA <laughs> that he somehow it's like encrusted. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just it's taken on this crazy form. It's great. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, and I talked about the art first, not that that dictates how you cook or how the restaurant is run, but it really does influence your food and, and your thought about an ingredient itself. How, how is that? Well, um, you know, the experience that you get when you're eating in the restaurant, you know, from the chef's standpoint, I think that we want to just say this is all about food and that it's all about the chef and it's all about, but it's just not the case, you know. So we, uh, we know that your whole experience, dining experience, is going to come from everything, including what the room looks like and how it feels. And you want to create this sort of fun, exciting feeling so that even before food gets to the people, the people are excited. There's like this sort of anticipation and feeling that there's something fun going on. So art really accomplishes that. But it's, it's you know, it's something you can contemplate too. And hopefully people are contemplating the food. You know, some meals, you know, are just for nourishment or fun or whatever. But hopefully, you know, at Almanac, um, you're going to think about the food. You're going to contemplate it. And art, I think, sets that tone, too. I mean, you you even kind of, like, force that fact with a couple of the pieces on the wall, which are these botanicals or these studies on a singular object from squashes to fish. Yeah. Who, who, who did those pieces? So uh, the, our, our project architect, Ben Albury, um, kind of mid- midway through the project, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm, I'm an artist. You know, I like to draw things. And we're kind of like, oh, okay, you know, that's really, that's really great, Ben. And he's like, no, you know, I, I, I think I have this idea for your, your bathroom walls and maybe some botanical prints. At the time, we, had, we were considering, uh, you know, in sort of this theme of the almanac, let's get some botanical prints. But, you know, the problem is, is that I think that is over, you know, there's a hundred restaurants in the West Village alone that have botanical prints on their walls. You could go to some, you know, you know, one of those little stores on the street that sells those prints and you could buy a million of them. You could just rip off the back cover of Cook's Illustrated. Exactly. (laughs) And so we didn't want that because it's just generic and it's, you know, it doesn't give the same sort of sense. And so we were talking about different options that we could do. and, And Ben, you know, said, I'll, I'll draw, I'll draw some things, you know, and let's make them relevant. And me and him, we met and we worked together. We talked about things, and we kind of came up with this idea of let you know, let's have some things that are, you know, in the moment, in season right now. So we happen, we like, for instance, we opened in November. So he has, you know, a heritage breed turkey that he drew. Oh, we know those well here at Heritage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it was perfect because not only did we have this kind of seasonal display of. Uh, vegetables or fruits or whatever of things that literally you'll find on the menu then but he also what I really liked and what took it together is how as a chef what I'm doing is I'm taking that squash and I'm really thinking about all the culinary uses of it and how it grows and what's special about it you know are we using the seeds are we using the flowers are we using the the whole squash the skin what am I doing with it as a cook you know Ben also decided to draw so he has the flower, and he has the squash, and he has the seeds, and he's talking about it, and that's all in the botanical drawing. So it really came together to express the feeling of the restaurant and the feeling of the food. And then, you know, hopefully we can get some more for springtime, and we can swap them out, so to speak. But that's what I love. A lot of botanical drawings or, or charts were of the different kinds. You know, uh, everyone talks about the different kinds of heirloom tomatoes when they come to market, from brandy wines to, you know, green zebras. 
But these are exploding diagrams of, you know, like you said, skin, flesh, pulp, pit, seed, you know, all the parts that you as a chef have to contemplate, not just creatively, but also cost efficiency. Right. And he, you know, I think the architect in him, uh, you know, really came through in that where it's like, uh, you know, he has a whole fish and the bone structure of the fish and let me get this right. And there's kind of dimensions put in there. And, you know, what, you know, again, the nose to tail type of thing of what we can do with all that sort of stuff. It was it was just really interesting to see it. It's almost kind of like a, a Da Vinci like art in a way you know what i mean where it's just like not just this pure artistic mind but then there's this um culinary aspect of it and then there's like this very strict architect you know aspect to it that's interesting i think there's sage or salvia on the wall as well Mm -hmm. um have there ever been a part of a plant or an animal that he's drawn that you did not know about and are trying to now incorporate into the menu or no it was more uh, hey, you know, what types of foods are you going to be working with in November? Hey, what types of food do you think you're going to have January? This sort of thing. We literally just went through, I just wrote down lists for him, uh, you know, different times a year. And then he kind of picked some things and, you know, you know, he wanted, then asked, you know, hey, get me a, can you get me a scallop shell? I want to see what the whole, a whole live scallop looks like, you know, give me this, you know, and he would come into the kitchen and kind of hang out with us for a little bit. But it's not sectioned off in the restaurant where next to the turkey picture you can only have turkey. Next to the squash you can only eat squash. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Maybe someday. All right. Um, It is spring. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, it is spring. Yeah. And what ingredients are you hoping to work with this season? And, you know, maybe BC, as I found out, Ben is also called as an artist, um, might put up on the walls. Um. This, I mean, this is always a sort of a funny time as a chef because everybody expects, like, you know, the first day of spring that all of a sudden there's going to be all this new stuff out there. But, you know, even in a good year, like, obviously we, it just snowed. But even in a good year, it takes a while for us to really see anything locally. Um, but some of the, there's a, what's really fun is the wild stuff. And there's, you know, a ton of wild mushrooms that come... Uh, fourth right now there's wild greens a lot of you know the onion family the alliums nettles that sort of thing so that that's first what's what you can get excited about and then later in spring you're going to have you know rhubarb and you're going to get rhubarb that in the first part you know my pastry chefs hate because it's not pretty pretty pink colored and they just it's green and they don't know what to do with it and then it gets gets nice and red and they know what to do with it so you know, in the beginning of the season, rhubarb is going to be fun because we'll use it in more savory applications. Um, and then uh, it'll show up and, you know, as it ripens, it gets redder. It, we just use it in different ways. Um, and, you know, they'll start to see flowers that you can eat and baby vegetables and cherries and all that sort of stuff is going to start coming. So you're pumped. Unlike me, who feels like it's it's always too early. You know, it, you hit sp- Spring and then there are all the ramps, the goddamn ramps that I hate so much. <laughs> but that's also because I dislike the raw onion taste. But you you have a trove of them in what South Orange, New Jersey now. I mean, a Santa Cruz bo- Cruz boy who had the world to him. I mean, talk yeah. about the the right climate to grow year round. 
when was it in New Jersey that you found that there was actually morels and, and ramps and this plethora, this bounty? Yeah, well, I, um, we recently moved out to New Jersey and, um, you know, I've been in New York City for a long time. But like you said, I grew up, I grew up in Santa Cruz. I grew up in this little, I didn't even grow up in Santa Cruz. I grew up in Bonnie Dune, which is just, we don't even have traffic lights. It's just the mountains. So, uh, you know, I was missing a little bit of that, that sort of nature in my life. So I'm very lucky we have this South Mountain Reservation out behind us. It's, a, it's basically a big state park. And um, I spend a lot of time there hiking and, and fishing and whatnot. And um, one day I just w- was out uh, fishing and I just looked around and there was just ramps everywhere. Just everywhere. I've seen mushrooms all over the place, and very obviously people forage for mushrooms because you can see where they've harvested them. But um, I was very surprised to see the ramps. And they were also a lot earlier than I get them from my New York foragers, so that was interesting. Um, And also one day I was just in my backyard. I looked over, and I was like, that's a morel. Like, there are morels growing in my backyard. I had no idea. I've never, never heard of even just local morels. I usually get them for, like, California and Oregon when we get them at the restaurants. And I was a little skeptical. I was a little worried, like maybe it's an, it's a false morel and it would be poisonous. And I'm not the most experienced mushroom hunter, so that's incredibly likely. And so I just um, I just picked a couple and ate it and was half expecting to die. And uh, it was very exciting. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here with us today. We're actually going to take a quick break and come back and talk about your imaginative preparations that accentuate the nuances of each growing cycle. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Today's program was brought to you by VisitNapaValley.com. Welcome to the Napa Valley, North America's legendary wine and food capital, where the art of living well is defined, and each season holds a story waiting to be discovered. Life feels slower here, lived at a place where tables are set with care, fine wine and food are created from the bounty of our own vineyards and gardens, and relationships with friends and family gathered around the table are somehow sweeter. When planning a trip to the Napa Valley, we invite you to visit the destination's official visitor website, visitnapavalley.com, or stop by Napa County's official visitor information center, located in downtown Napa, where our friendly and knowledgeable community ambassadors can assist you in creating your own legendary Napa Valley experiences. The Visitor Information Center is located at 600 Main Street, Napa, and is open from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., seven days a week, 360 days a year. Your invitation to experience the Napa Valley beckons. Take a deep breath, lose yourself in our quiet green and golden hills, renew your body and spirit, taste our legendary wines and cuisine, and experience the people who make this valley like no other in the world. For more information, go to visitnapavalley.com. Hey, and welcome back to the Food Scene on Heritage Radio Network.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Durkel, here again with Galen Zamara and Almanac Restaurant, your, your new little darling. Mm-hmm. Three, five, and eight course tasting menus. And th- these are almost uh, like a study of the season and of specific ingredients um, in a way that you not just focus on whatever's you know fresh and tastes best, but 
what parts you can utilize in the same dish. You know, you, you see something like a mushroom or or a steelhead trout. How can you take that you know functional thing and flavor and use it all right and express it in so many different ways yeah it's a lot you know some of the dishes you know are are we're looking at something in season and, and we're focusing on that and, and, and it, that's straightforward but some of them are a little more so like you brought up the mushroom soup which uh i'm just not ballsy enough to put on the menu fungus <laughs> but that's what i wanted to do because i wanted to be about fungus because it isn't just about mushrooms uh it's about a, a, a lot of different types of fungus that we eat. I mean, mushrooms is an obvious one. And truffles are, you know, they're not mushrooms, but they're similar. Uh, we use wheat lacoche, which is, you know, a, a corn that has been, um, uh, has this fungus growing on it. It swells up and turns black. And you looks can say it. You can say hideous. corn smut on Corn there. smut. Yeah. It's corn smut. We use, uh, oh, there's a Roquefort foam in it. So, again, there's, you know, in the, in the process of making cheese, there's soy sauce in it, which has fungus. There's so there's all these different elements to it that are just looking at this whole other kingdom that we eat. That's just crazy and mysterious in its own right. So that's an example of that dish um, that we just want to look at. Uh, you mentioned steelhead trout, uh, which um, you know again going back to Santa Cruz, I, the steelheads, uh, you know, basically a, a rainbow trout that runs into the ocean it sort of lives a salmon like life rather than a trout life so it's much more like salmon and steelhead is something that's very near and dear to me because i used to fish for it growing up in santa cruz and in these days including the river that i fished on uh they're all dammed up and steelhead i don't know maybe there's a handful of rivers in the world that are left that they can live in so they're very rare um and this, it's such a stupendous fish. I love it. And I can get them, you know, straight from Washington. We just get them FedEx to us. And, you know, you want to just look at everything that is in the fish. Obviously, there's the flesh, there's skin, there's roe. You know, so we just try and really look at, you know, what goes on with it. Uh, and where it lives, what's its cycle. So, you know, again, like with trout, when it's in the river system... You know, you find things, like I mentioned, ramps. You find things like watercress. You find things like nettles. So I like to pair those naturally with the fish because that's just something that lives with it. It's it's natural. What is that saying? If it grows together, it goes together? Yes, and but there's a lot of truth in that. There's a lot of truth. And the acorn, because you actually, uh, I wouldn't call this reverse engineering, but talk about a complete cycle. You You look at something as singular as an acorn, and then lead that into Flying Pig Farms, acorn-fed pigs. Right. And this was a dish that didn't get to work this year because we didn't, uh, I didn't get a, a lot of acorns uh, dropping this year. Um, it's one of the things I like to do in the fall is just I take my kids out with buckets and we just pick up acorns. And then I just bring them in. And, you know, Mike from Flying Pigs Farm, bring, he brings in me a pig and I give him yard bags of acorns. And he just takes them back. And uh, and just gives them to his pigs, you know. It, otherwise, I'm just I'm just you know composting them and stuff. And so this feels like you know. Well, anyways, my wife wouldn't let me have a pig, so that's the <laughs> last search. Well, anyways, the idea is you know the oak tree. Let's look at the oak tree. And obviously, you don't eat oak trees, and really, even just acorns themselves are hard to eat. 
Um, so, you know, the idea of the dish, which hopefully will happen this winter, is uh, we'll make a ravioli with acorn flour. And we'll get some of the pig meat that has been eating these acorns. Uh, and we'll also get truffles, as truffles grow on oak trees. So you see there's kind of this, I don't know, it's not really a symbiotic, it's almost a symbiotic approach to forming this menu, this food, of looking at this whole plant and the food that comes from it. See, you know, from the the name Almanac and even your logo of the Moon Phases, I thought, you know, you were going to be a biodynamic restaurant, maybe even having those wines. But there is something similar in the biodynamic approach where – you know, you're really going by this this feeling, this sense of the earth, this understanding of the soil, um, and and you have to react to it. So it's almost this reactionary cuisine. It's this way of interpreting only by a certain stimuli coming into the restaurant. Right. Well, it's you know, I I want people to get away from this. Um, this uh, relationship to food where everything is exactly the same and available all the time. You know, the supermarket food, where it's a tomato is perfectly round and it's red and you can get it anytime you want. And, and get into really the natural law that exists with food and just kind of embrace it. Because as a chef, it's incredibly difficult. Because first of all, nothing is the same. It doesn't look the same, it doesn't cook the same, it doesn't cost the same, it's not ready at the same time every year. It's just different, different, different all the time. And you, it, when you're trying to make your food consistent in a restaurant, that creates problems because then you can't just have a recipe <laughs> and hand it to someone because on this day it's going to be different than that day. And the next day you won't have any of those things because it wasn't available. And so uh, that's what Almanac is about and that's... Uh, again, where we want, really want to just look at the naturalness of food and, and kind of like, as a chef, challenge, be challenged by it. It's funny, you mentioned, you know, nature but chaos at the same time, and I feel like a, a couple artists kind of define that. You know, you have Lieb Krasner there, who's in the same school of maybe Pollock and Kadinsky, where... You know, there's no way you can remake a Pollock or a Kadinsky. Right. And then there's... a. Um, Sarah Reynolds, mm-hmm. Sarah H. Reynolds, which you have on the wall, uh, these charcoal drawings, which, which, in a sense, are made of nature, but again, it's something that's unreplicable. You know, these these are singular pieces of art, right? And they, um, I guess, that's what makes sense, you know. And, and they they have a sort of a uh, there's organization to them, and there's planning to them, you know, which I don't think people can understand. But, uh, like you said, it's a unique one-time thing. Uh, and in a way, that's how the menus are, because, uh, you know, there's dishes last year that I'm just not going to do again. And I don't have a recipe for it. And I, I've, I have a bad memory, so I don't remember <laughs> what I did, so I have to do something else. Luckily, this is recorded. You can listen <laughs> to it again. Um, th- there's another piece of art, uh, I believe, what, on the loge or me- mezzanine. The mezzanine. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't believe I just said Loge. <laughs> been to too many sporting events in my life. Donald Robertson, um, who I think is euphemistically known as Draw, Draw, Robertson. Robertson. Yeah. Um, who just came onto the art scene like, like a supernova, like a mega force, um, but was using these materials that are very common in every day um, from 
masking and duct tape of different colors. It almost reminded me of kitchens when I first saw it. All the different color tapes and sharpies, and yeah. So it's it's fun to see that in that element. But what what does that piece mean to you? Um, that piece, it's great. Uh, Donald's just a such a nice guy, and his story is even, is just amazing. You know, he comes from kind of the cosmetics. I guess not really fashion, but he he draws like a, a you know like fashion art, you know those sketches that that people draw. But um, he uh, you know for our tenth anniversary at, at Moss Farmhouse, um, it just as a gift. He just he just drew, uh, <laughs> you know this. I don't know what to call it because it's not a painting, but this piece, and it's on a cardboard box, and it's duct tape and sharpie, and it's the outside of the restaurant. It's a bunch of people walking by, and among the people are me and my chef coat and my wife with, a, you know, a, a gift. And my kids, you know, my son's on a skateboard, my daughter's got a balloon, and it's it's cute. And it's just really personable, and, um, and it's very meaningful that he would do something like that. He's just, It's very whimsical, and um, I, I do happen to have it at Almanac because we just, uh, again, it was it, it looked it looked better there. It worked better. Because like you said, it has a lot of bright colors in it. And Moss has a lot. Moss is kind of, you know, beige and green. And all of a sudden when you saw these pinks and purples, it was kind of, it didn't fit right. So uh, we found, you know, like you said, there's a there's a home for it there. Yeah. And hopefully with this spring, we see a lot more bright colors on the plate as well. Yes, of course. Um, now, now, I have a question for you about, you know, aperitif or happy hour. And a lot of restaurants have that time where they have little snacks and drinks. Um, have you ever considered having like gallery or showing hours um, and having people, you know, grab a drink at the bar and being able to wander through the restaurant before you open? Um, we uh, I haven't really thought about that, but we did think about having some especially uh, pre-opening sort of parties about that. Um, uh, maybe someday we will. You know, what gal- <laughs> what galleries should do is galleries should have restaurants, uh, at least just a kitchen. Because if you've ever been to an art gallery when they're having a showing, they always, they want to have wine and hors d'oeuvres, but they just don't have the space and equipment for it, and it's awful. And I just I think it would be very, very fun to have a restaurant like that in an art gallery where you could do that sort of thing. Well, hopefully one day they just merge and the symbiosis is there. Yeah. Well, if you've never been to Almanac, please stop in, not only for the art, but the wonderful food. And thank you so much, Galen, for being thank on you. the show. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.